All right, tonight's reading is from Galatians 5:25 to 6:5. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, We're continuing our Galatians series tonight. Uh, You'll see from the uh, bulletin that the the title of the sermon is uh, Gospel Relationships. Now... Last, last week, Daniel spoke about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and when we live by the Spirit, it changes the way we live. And I think that's, that's an important thing to remember, uh, that it actually following Jesus and having the Spirit in us affects the way we live and changes the way we live. Uh, but I've had too many conversations, uh, and you hear quite regularly, that Christianity, to many people on the outside of the church, can just seem like a pious uh, little like in-group where people feel they're superior because of their uh, special relationship with God or something like that. And I've had it said to me a number of times, something very similar to this. What's the point in all this religious rubbish if it doesn't actually affect the way you treat other people? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? What's the point of all this religious rubbish if it doesn't actually affect the way you treat other people? Uh, And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. That's what tonight's passage deals with. So, so far, let's just retrack through the book of Galatians. Uh, we've been reminded that we're made right with God, not through obedience to the Old Testament law or any other law for that matter, but through faith, faith in Christ. It's a free gift from God. Uh, we do nothing to achieve it. We do nothing to maintain it. It's Jesus' life and death in our place that, that makes us right with God uh, and keeps us right with God. All we need to do is trust in Jesus' good works instead of our own. But if it's all free, if we don't need to do anything to achieve it, why bother doing good things? Well, we've answered that the last few weeks too, right? Because we now live by the Spirit. We don't live to obey a law, but we live this way because it's Christ living in us. So we're going to live a different life, a good life, a beautiful life, a life that's more like Jesus, because as Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. Uh, and as I mentioned before last week, Daniel spoke about the fruit of the Spirit as compared to the works of the flesh. If you haven't heard that, a really good background for this, and next week to hit up the podcast to find it. But tonight's passage is going to pick up where last week's ended. So have a look, Galatians 3, verse 25. I just want to read uh, this one verse. Galatians 3, verse 25. Uh, sorry, not Galatians 3, Galatians 5, verse 25. Paul says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, And tonight we're going to look into what that actually means. Uh, What it actually means uh, to to walk in step with the Spirit in our dealings with other people. Uh, Because the point we're going to see from this passage is that, uh, can you flick to the front PC for me please, Elijah? Uh, is that living by the Spirit has an impact on the way we treat others. It's really quite simple, tonight's message, that living by the Spirit has an impact on the way we treat others. And so you may be wondering, how does living by the Spirit impact the way we treat others? 
And you're probably also wondering, wow, he's got such good PowerPoint skills. Um, uh, And thank you. Uh, So how does living by the Spirit impact the way we treat others? If we live by the Spirit, if we walk by the Spirit, why does it change the way we treat others? Well, let's have a look at the text to find that out. I'm going to start with verse 26. Have a look at verse 26 with me of chapter 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Told not to be conceited. Conceited. The Greek word here means to be empty of honour, literally. Empty of honour means you feel like you have no honour. Uh, it's this feeling of insecurity, right? That causes you to feel the constant need to compare yourself with others. I wonder if you've felt like this before. That your self-worth is dependent uh, on how well you compare against other people. Your self-worth is dependent on how you compare against others. And, and Paul says that when we feel this way, when we are conceited, when we are empty of honour... Uh, we provoke and envy each other. Provoke and envy. Uh, in this context, provoke means to be competitive. Always trying to get one up over another person, right? But on the other end of the spectrum, he says, don't envy. Uh, and envy means to want what someone else has. We know that, right? Envy is to want what someone else has. And so to always be pining after the possessions or probably status of another person. And they're the natural outworkings of insecurity, when you think about it, if we have an insecurity about ourselves, we'll either try to puff ourselves up to look down on other people to make ourselves feel or look bigger, or we'll constantly look up at others with jealousy and bitterness. So let's take a moment just to think to yourself, and we'll do this a bit more later, but where does your conceit manifest itself? Is it in looking down on others, right? Are you constantly looking for a chance to compete and to show how you're better than someone else around you? Uh, When you listen to someone telling a story, instead of actually listening, are you thinking, oh, hang on, I've got a better story than this. I've got to remember it so I can one-up them after they finish telling their story. Every guy in the room is probably saying, yeah, I'll do that. Um, uh, When uh, do Do you make decisions about your clothing or your career or your purchases based on how you think you'll come across to other people? Do you? I'm going to wear this or do this or follow this career line because I just want to look like I'm good, right? Uh, Or do you make comments that slyly elevate yourself above others? You just say things, just like sort of slide it in there to make you feel or look better than other people. Or maybe you're the other end of the spectrum. Maybe you're enviously looking up at people, right? Constantly looking down on yourself. Do any of these resonate, right? You're always looking down on yourself. Uh, you feel, I'm just nothing compared to those people. And it starts to manifest bitterness in your life. Uh, do you find it hard to celebrate other people's joys? Because you're just so envious that you don't have what they have. You can't enjoy their stories because you're too busy thinking, why doesn't stuff like this happen in my life? Why has he done this? Or why has she bought this? And I still haven't, Right? Uh, are you maybe a real people pleaser, letting people just walk over you uh, because you feel you've got nothing to say, like what, I, what I've got to say isn't worth it anyway? Or do you, do you make comments about yourself to put yourself down to fish for compliments, right? It's one of my favourite things to do. Like, oh, I'm just so ugly, and hoping that someone will be like, no, you're not, but they never say it. Um, <laughs> 
do you make, yeah, maybe we make comments about ourselves and to put ourselves down in the hope that other people will be like, no, man, it's all right. It's all right trying to prop you up. Maybe you see a bit of both in yourself. I certainly do. Um, But either way, it's constant comparison with others, right? And the tide of your self-worth rises and falls with the success or failure of other people. And it's just tiring. It's exhausting. And it's evidence of like works-based thinking in your life. If we go all the way back to week one, right? Uh, It's evidence of works-based thinking, thinking that we need to be something to be fulfilled. We need to reach a certain height to be fulfilled or to, or to be right with God or to be happy or to have what we want. And works is always exhausting. And it's everything Galatians is preaching against. And so what's the remedy to our insecurities? Well, it's everything we've read so far in Galatians. It's the gospel. The good news that we are made right with God, not on our own merit, but because of what Jesus did. We're declared righteous because of what Jesus has done. And an understanding of the gospel humbles us. It humbles us because it reminds us that we're sinners, but we're saved by grace, for free. So it humbles us, but it also, for those of us who struggle looking down on ourselves, it emboldens us. It reminds us that we are loved. It gives us a beautiful sense of self-worth, far more than anything else on this earth can give us, right? I want to quote Tim Keller here, uh, who says this, The gospel is this, We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe, yet at the same time, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Grasping this helps us to deal with our insecurities. Yeah, mate, you are. You are sinful and flawed, even more than you can ever imagine. But at the same time, because of what Jesus has done, you're more loved, accepted, embraced because of the work of Jesus than you could ever gain anywhere else in your life. So when Paul says in Galatians 2.26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other, He says it because living by the Spirit transforms the way we treat each other. So, how does living by the Spirit impact the way we treat others? Well, it allows us to view ourselves through the lens of the gospel, not the lens of comparison. We're loved in Christ. We have worth in Christ. We have meaning and acceptance because of what Jesus did for us. So we can be free from conceit. We can be free from the need to, to seek honour from others or other things because it's been given to us when we have faith in Jesus. We're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, but at the same time, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I'm going to get you to pause for a minute now. I'm just going to play some music uh, I'm going to put a couple of questions up on the screen for you to reflect on. Uh, the questions are this. Here we go. Uh, how do your insecurities affect your relationships? So are you overly competitive? Or maybe you're envious? Uh, or maybe something else, right? Think about that to yourself. Like, uh, just do some self-assessing. Am I just too competitive? Am I always trying to show my mates that I'm better than them? Or am I always just miserable because I just feel everyone's better than me? Uh, And then secondly, how will understanding that truth, the gospel truth, seeing yourself through a gospel lens, change the way you view yourself and others and therefore change the way you treat others? Have a think of that. Put some uh, music on while you do.
these things are true, how do we apply this to our life? Um, If the gospel lens is the lens through which we view ourselves, how are we going to start treating other people? Well, the beginning of chapter 6 gives us a few examples of this. Two examples we're going to look at uh, of what our lives are going to look like when we view ourselves through the gospel lens. What are our lives going to look like when we view ourselves through the gospel lens? Uh, And the first one is this. We will restore, not judge. We will restore other Christians, not judge. So it makes sense. Let's have a look. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone uh, is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. We're told that if we see another Christian caught in sin, we are to restore that person gently. Restore that person gently. Now, this isn't instructing the church or individual Christians to be the moral police and point out every little sin in people's lives around them. It's not licensed to do that, so please don't do it. Uh, But uh, it's talking about keeping people accountable. And so to be caught in sin here in this passage means to be trapped and controlled by a particular habit or lifestyle. And so the responsibility for us, or for anyone who claims to be a spirit-led Christian, is to restore Christians who are going wayward, to bring them back on track, and to do it gently, Paul says. Uh, So the gentleness here refers to our humility. When we're humble, we're able to be gentle, knowing that we too struggle with sin, and that we too have yet to conquer it in our own lives, means that we're not going to lord it over them. We're not going to act as though we are superior, because... You know, look at this sinner. I wish he was like my level where he never sinned anymore. And and Paul says to watch yourself or you too may be tempted. And that too is a reminder that we're still flawed people. That our rebuke of their sin doesn't come from some sort of sense of superiority. We're only able to restore them gently when we view ourselves through a gospel lens. It gives us a sense of humility. And because without a gospel lens, we, we may see... There's two options, right? We may see another Christian stumbling... And we'll pass judgment on them. We'll gossip. We'll condemn them. uh, All with the intent of building ourselves up and making ourselves feel spiritually and morally superior. Or maybe without a gospel lens, we'll we'll think too lowly of ourselves and think, who am I to restore them? I'm, I'm dodgy anyway. But the gospel lens tells us that we are sinners, but loved and forgiven. So we have the freedom to, to humbly and gently restore Christians who are going wayward in the same way that Jesus has for us. The Greek word for restore, uh, it means helping. It, it has two ancient usages, right? One of them is talking about helping people to mend their fishing nets. And the other usage is putting a dislocated bone back into place. Mending fishing nets, putting a bone back in place. And if you think about both of those images... The idea of restoration, you get a nice picture of what restoration looks like. Mending nets, someone's, it's someone's career, it's someone's job, it's how, they, it's how they make a living, it's how they keep themselves useful. And so mending nets is this picture of working together with someone to mend their nets, to ensure their fruitfulness and their usefulness. And so when we come alongside another Christian who is caught in sin, we're able to help equip them to get back to being useful as a Christian to doing their job as a Christian. Then the other one, resetting a broken bone. Everyone has seen that? Like watch a footy game, someone's like got a dislocated shoulder and then they just like smack it back into place. Ugh, horrible. Um, but 
It's painful. I've never had a bone reset, but I'm sure it's not very nice. Um, but you, you might see it in hospital shows or sporting matches. It makes you feel uncomfortable, especially if you hear the sound that it makes. That's like, it's particularly nasty. Um, but, but it brings someone back to wholeness. It helps them to heal properly and heal well. Without resetting a bone, uh, they're going to become deformed and uh, it's going to affect their body and uh, they're not going to be whole or complete anymore. And so when we gently confront and restore a Christian caught in sin, we're able to help to reset the brokenness in them. It's a really cool image that word gives us. And so if you walk by the Spirit, you'll have a healthy view of yourself and your own sin so you'll be able to gently confront other Christians caught in sin. Not to make yourself look better than them, uh, but for their benefit. So they may be whole and complete and fulfilled as a Christian. And so think to yourself, who do I need to come alongside and help restore? Gently. Friend, spouse, a member of your community group. Who in your life is caught in a lifestyle or a relationship or a practice that's harmful, uh, that's not beneficial for them as a Christian, that's perhaps painting a bad picture of Jesus to the world around them? We're encouraged here not to think we're better than them, not to think we're too sinful to approach them over it, but to have a gospel lens where we can come alongside them and help to restore, help to renew. And as always, uh, the, the, the team here at church, uh, we're happy to walk alongside you if you don't know what to say or you need guidance in how to have an awkward conversation like that, right? So that's the first thing. We are going to, we're going to restore instead of judge uh, when we view ourselves through a gospel lens. And the second thing is this. We're going to carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. Have a look at verses 2 to 5, chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each of you, for each one should carry their own load. So the other way the Spirit impacts our relationships is that we're going to carry one another's burdens. The carrying of burdens refers to helping those caught in sin, as we've just seen, but it can also be applied more broadly. Uh, If we walk by the Spirit, we're going to understand that as the church, we're family. Uh, and your struggles are my struggles. And my struggles are your struggles. And we take responsibility for one another. Emotionally, physically, financially, socially, spiritually, whatever it may be. Paul says that in doing so, when we do, when we, when we bear one another's burdens, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Fulfilling the law of Christ. Now you might stop here and think, hang on. Paul's just been waxing lyrical about how we don't need to follow laws anymore. And now he's saying, you've got to do this to fulfill the law of Christ. A little bit confusing. Uh, What Paul means here is that the law of... uh, He's referring to the law of Christ as Jesus' teachings. uh, Especially Jesus' teachings all throughout his life. But especially culminating in his great commandment to to love God wholeheartedly and to love your neighbour as yourself. That's, That's what he refers to as the law of Christ. And so when we carry one another's burdens... We're showing love for God, and we're showing love for others, as we would love ourselves. And so when we walk by the Spirit, we'll live in such a way that carries each other's burdens. Uh, and, and, and in that, we're actually continuing the work of Christ. But again, Paul peppers it with humility, 
verse 3, he says, if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Paul's saying, if you think, if you, now, now just listen to this as though he's talking to you, if you think you're above helping others, you're kidding yourself. If you think you're above helping others as a Christian, you're kidding yourself. You're deceived. It takes humility to bear one another's burdens because if we think too highly of ourselves, we won't. Maybe look down on people in their misery and say, well, they probably earned that, they probably deserved it, they should work harder to be like me and where I am or whatever. And then verse 4 shows us uh, how to grow in humility so we can serve others. Have a look at verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Have a look at yourself. Then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to someone else. Again, we don't compare ourselves to others. That's conceit, as he's already said. We only compare ourselves to ourselves. We look at ourselves, our opportunities to serve and the gifts that God's given us, and we ask ourselves, am, am I, don't worry about the people around you, am I living the humble life of service that I'm called to live? Am I living the humble life of service that I'm called to live? Because as Paul says in verse 5, each one should carry their own load. Now this sounds contradictory again, right? We're told in verse 2, carry one another's burdens, but here we're told to carry our own load. What's going on? Well, a burden refers to like a, a problem or an issue that's plaguing someone's life. Uh, it could be physical, mental, spiritual, whatever. Uh, and this is where we need to step in and help others carry it. But, but when he says carry your own load, load's talking about you just, your personal responsibility as a Christian to follow God's call on your life. No one else can do that for you. No one else is responsible for your spiritual development and for you living the way you should as a Christian. It's something we must bear on our own. So we don't compare ourselves to others. I have expectations of others to make us more spiritual, but we ask ourselves, am I living in step with the Spirit? That's what we have control over. Am I living in step with the Spirit? So verses 3 to 5 could be summarised like this. If you think you're above serving others, you're kidding yourself. Don't compare yourselves to those you're serving. Look at your own actions. Are you carrying out your Christian responsibility? So how do we do this? How do we do it here at NBC? Well, there's heaps of ways, right? Uh, we went through the NBC Cares brochure a few weeks ago. I'd encourage you to grab one from the foyer. Uh, different opportunities, uh, an explanation about how we serve and care for one another physically, spiritually, practically, in so many different ways, okay? One thing I want to bring up right now is meals ministry. We have a wonderful meals ministry. Who's been blessed by the meals ministry in the church before? Yeah, heaps of people. Cool. All right. Uh, so meals ministry is really quite simple. When people bring you food, and how good's that? Um, when, when I got hit by a car, I've shared this story a few times, people brought us food for four weeks because I couldn't make food, right? And Jackie was looking after two kids. When we had kids, people brought us food. Uh, people here have been suffering from illnesses or other difficult situations. At the moment, we have, and we say it regularly, like, 100 kids due, right? Um, not really, but it seems like that, and more and more every week. Uh, and so, so we want to encourage you uh, to get on the meals ministry uh, because, because these people are going to need meals when they have babies, uh, and we want to be able to bless them, uh, just give them one less task to worry about by bringing them meals, hopefully for, for two, three, four weeks. And so we'd love you to, to get on board with that. Uh, please pray about that, chat about it. Ashley Remage is the person you talk to. If you don't know her, come and talk to me and I'll uh, link you up. 
But otherwise, uh, being part of a community group. Coming along to church is good. You'll hear some good sermons sometimes and you'll be able to sing together and, and worship as a community. But, but being part of a community group is a way for you to get to know others. You'll actually know what their burdens are so you can bear them. If we don't know what the burdens are, then you've got none to bear, right? And then other people will know your burdens so they can bear them with you when you're struggling. It's symbiotic, right? Uh, hang out with people. People that may not be the normal type of people you'd hang out with. Hang out with them, show them love, be generous, hospitable to them. Uh, new people especially. It is our responsibility to do things like this, to get inside people's lives so that we're able to help carry their burdens. Uh, think less of yourself. Think less about yourself. Listen and, and pray. What a great way to be able to bear one another's burdens is, is to pray, to bring the needs of our brothers and sisters before a God who, who hears and who loves and who knows. And do what you can to act on these. Do something practical. Give money, make a meal, hang out, listen, keep listening. Their burden is your burden. Well, my burden's your burden. Your burden's my burden. And not just because I'm a pastor, but because I'm your brother in Christ. But we also actually need to share and express our burdens. Don't keep them to yourselves. Like I said before, be part of a community group. Share with a friend. Be vulnerable. Allow your Christian brothers and sisters to help with your burden and to live out their Christian duty. Don't be ashamed. So many times you hear about things that have happened in people's lives six months afterwards and I wish we had known earlier so we could love them and support them and walk with them through that way. Don't be shy. It's our, don't, don't think you're going to be a burden. Well, you are, but that doesn't matter because it's our job to bear your burdens. Don't rob us of the opportunity to serve and love you. Please bring it before your brothers and sisters in the church. Uh, we love to serve. We love to help. It's our responsibility. The church is a place where you can be vulnerable and open. And so let us know what's going on. The challenge for this passage as you leave uh, a bit later tonight is to view yourselves through the gospel lens, right? We're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the same time, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's a beautiful truth. And when we grasp it, we no longer compare or compete and it frees us up to, to bear one another's burdens. And it frees us up to gently restore Christians who are wandering away from the truth. And so my encouragement for you is that you continue to do those things. Take them seriously uh, and see it as our responsibility when we walk by the Spirit because of what Jesus has done.